Okay, why don't you open your Bible with me, and we're going to look into Romans chapter 8. worried they haven't <laughs> that's okay as it, it unfolds and so we, we don't catch it all at once I sat down one time trying to find my purpose and prayed and thought well, God would show me something and I never got it that way and I read what everyone else was doing and never got it that way and after a little while I began to work out in my heart communing with my heart what God wanted for me to do with my life and it's the same for you so I gave last week I gave the keys some keys to how you can discover God's purpose for your life now, what I want to do over the next couple of Sundays, I want to talk about destiny thieves. Destiny thieves. In other words, things that steal your destiny. Things that steal your destiny. Okay? Now, and I want to just talk, let's have a look in Romans chapter 8. We'll start off there, verse uh, 28 and 29. And uh, uh, I won't identify what the thieves are this, this week. I'll identify the thieves next week, and you'll see if there's any of them working in your life. Okay, now we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we see two words here we've been looking at over and over and over and over again. The reason I keep going over and over again because they are important words. Purpose, what am I here for? Destiny, where is my life going? Now I want you just to think for a moment. I want you just for a moment to just close your eyes. Just close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to begin to think that suddenly, when you least expected it, your life suddenly ended. And now you'll step out of your body into eternity. Now, I'll share with you a message one time, the first five seconds after you die, what happens and what you experience, what you encounter. But not today. But let me just give you a little think about it. Now, when you step out into eternity, you won't have your watch with you, your car, your house, your bank account you'll have absolutely nothing that belongs in this world. So now you step out into eternity, you step out of your body, and yet there you are. You have a spirit body, you have a soul, you remember everything that you uh, saw on earth, you remember the things you're involved in, you remember people, you remember all of those things. You remember what you did with your life, except now suddenly all of the things that seemed of value and seemed to push on you are there no more. Now eternal reality suddenly sinks in. Time for you has finished. Time, we looked at the purpose of time, and it's the period within which you have an opportunity to be a steward for God and qualify for eternity. And so now here you are, you stand, and the first person you meet is Jesus Christ. He's very pleased to see you, very pleased to welcome you. Now what will happen now is there will be a replay of your life and what you did with it. And he won't be worried so much about whether, you know, you did this or did that or went to church or all of those kinds of things. A lot of things, people think things are really important that aren't very important. What he'd be interested in is one thing. He's interested, did you discover why he put you on the earth and embrace that purpose and fulfill it? Or that you just busy your life doing a lot of things. Now, they were good things. They were very good things. But they actually what, they weren't what God put you in this earth to accomplish. And in a moment of time, you'll have a replay of your life. Everything you said, did, will be replayed to you. Everything you've been involved in, the intents of your heart, the motives, why you did it, everything there. And your whole life will be evaluated 
with eternal reward in mind. What will you have waiting for you when you're at that point? This is why purpose is important. Purpose qualifies us for our destiny in eternity. If I do not discover and fulfill what God set me on the earth for, I'm like a toaster that never functioned and cooked toast. I'm like an electric jug that never boiled any water. I'm like a car that stayed in the garage and never carried anyone anywhere. I'm like a radio that never actually was switched on and operated. I'm like, uh, you know, like, like a lot of things that were misused. I don't want to have my life finished that way. Neither do you. Think about that. That moment's coming quicker than you think. So I'm going to talk a little bit about destiny, destiny and purpose, how different they are and how they're connected. Then we're going to look at uh, some of the, the, the consequences of failing to embrace our purpose and destiny. Just suppose, for example, let's just have a look at the stage. We've got a really great long stage here. I love this great long stage. Okay, so I'm right over on one side of the stage, okay? And it's always hard for us to get an idea what eternity's like. You just can't, it's just hard for us to get a grasp of it. But suppose this whole line here, right from one side of the hall, big hall to the other side of the hall, represents eternity, okay? And then here it is, time, and I'm here. That's my life. That's my life, one step. And there's the rest of it, all eternity. Now, I'm not going to stop when I die. I'm not going to cease when I die. I just step into eternity. And then in eternity, I begin to enjoy the things that I have worked to achieve. I begin to enjoy the fruits of labors and time. I begin to enjoy the things God has prepared for me. Because the Bible says, no one knows the things that God's prepared for him. Uh, it's not entering our heart and mind. But the Holy Ghost will reveal them to us. Now, we're going to be busy in all eternity. We're going to be doing things in all eternity. God has created us for a purpose. And it doesn't just end in time. Why would you make something... It's only going to last five minutes. You don't make something to last five minutes. You make something to last a long period of time. And so our lifetime is short, but eternity is forever. And God created you to do something right through eternity. What you are doing now with your life, what each of us is doing, is preparing and qualifying us for the things God has in eternity. Why would we cling to something so short-lived when there's so much long-lived at stake? Let's just define these terms again. I want to show you some things from the Word of God and how every one of us makes choices. I'm glad the Bible tells us about the ones who made the good choices, the ones who made the bad ones. I can learn from both of them. So let's just go through here. The two words destiny. First of all, destiny is a predetermined course of events leading a person towards a destination. So destiny is like a course for someone to run, and it leads somewhere. You get on railway lines, they go somewhere. Get on that track, you go that place. Get on a bus... It'll go where the bus is going. You can get off any part, but you get on the bus, you go where it's going. So destiny is like a course that has been ordered by God, and it has a final destination. It's some place we reach. Destiny. Okay, so that's destiny. Now, what we have to understand, there is a course that the world is following. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. There is a course, and it ends up in a different destination. It ends up in a totally different destination. Now it says, verse 1 and 2, Now Jesus made you alive who were once dead in trespass and sin. See, so before we came to Christ, before we are a believer, we're dead to the purposes of God. In other words, we've got no relationship. We don't know what He wants for our life. We're just doing what we can and do the best and do what suits us. And it says, we're dead in relationship to God. And so therefore, people who don't know Christ, people who are dead according to God, are also dead to the purpose of God. 
And uh, so it tells us then, it says then, well, what, if we're dead for the purpose of God, what's happening to our life? It says, well, we once walked according to the course of this world. Now, so it tells us then there's another course, and it's the course the world is following. It's the course every unsafe person follows. They all walk the same course. It's a course called, I do what I want with my life. I do what I feel. I'm not answerable to anyone. I do what I want with my life. And I know it says, all people walk down that course. Before I came to Christ, I was walking that course. Before you came to Christ, you were walking that course. And it says there's something affecting it. Because we think, well, nobody tells me what to do. I do what I want with my life. I'm an independent man. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the course you're working is the, wor- the course uh, you're walking is the course everyone walks, and it's governed by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. So it says there is a spiritual power that is working upon your life to shape it so you don't obey God, you live independent of God, and it ends in one place. It's called hell, it's called torment, and it's called an eternity separated from the reason God designed you. It says that very clearly in the Word of God. It says every person. Every person in this world is born separated from God, therefore separated from his purpose, separated from eternal destiny with God. And what happens is we think we're going to run our life. We don't want God or anyone telling us what to do with our life. I'm running my life. I got my goals. I got my vision. I know where I'm going. But we're all going the same course, ending up in the same place, hell forever. Trouble is people don't discover it until it's too late to discover it. I've been in... Hospitals watch people dying who are about to discover it. Boy, difference between a saint dying. I've sat there with one person dying who was a believer, followed the Lord. They sat up and they saw the Lord and they finished their course with great joy. Saw another one. She was tossing and turning on a bed. She was tormented because life was over and there's no more chance. Oh, this is a very real thing. You better be, you know, we, sometimes we fear to talk about death and dying and these things, but actually this is part of what happens in life. And you've got to know that, you know, there's a huge difference when that person dies who's in Christ to the person who dies out of Christ. So it says that people follow a course. Now, there's another course which God has for you. Look at this. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, we would walk in them. So, not only does Jesus want to save you, connect you to himself, but he wants, he's got a course for you. It says we're his workmanship. He is making something with our life. He's changing us. That's why my life is committed to change. Because God wants me to change, to become more like Jesus Christ, to reflect his character, his life, whatever. And it says that he has got things for us to do. So, when God sets out something for your life. He has in mind an eternal destiny. His destiny is spelled out in Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than God that he might have dominion over all the works of your hands. So you are qualifying yourself now for a life of dominion over the things God has created in the future. You and I choose how much we're going to have of that. That's our choice. Every day, it's our choice. So there is a destiny that the world is following. There's a destiny that God has for us. But we've got to discover that. It doesn't come naturally to us. We tend naturally to follow the course of the world and just do our own thing. We we tend to disobey God in every area of life. And when we do that, we're walking down the same course everyone else is. You can be a Christian and still walk in the same course as an unsaved person. 
all the time thinking you're doing good because you're going to church. But you're actually following the same course they're following. It's called doing your own thing course. So he said there's another course. And that other course, uh, one course ends in destruction. The other course ends in dominion. You decide which course you're on. And once you're on it, you need to stay on it. Now, of course, if the devil can't stop you being saved, he will try and stop you accomplishing your destiny. He'll try and do anything to sabotage you accomplishing what God wants you to do with your life. His main focus is on that. See, once you've, got, so once you've given your life to Christ, once you've come connected to Jesus Christ, now you're on the starting block of your course. And so the devil wants to do anything to sabotage that course. Can he sabotage it? Oh, yes, he can. Does he sabotage it? Oh, yes, he does. Do you know people who were sabotaged? Oh, yes, you do. Are you one of them? I don't know. I hope not after a couple of weeks of listening to this. Come on, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. So, so we see here then, there's a course. See? So notice this. If I yield to the same spirit that's in the world, its values, the way it thinks, its attitudes, I will actually go off course and follow their course. If I yield to the spirit of God and the word of God, I will find myself, without even realizing how it all fits together, I will find myself walking towards what God has planned me to go towards. Can I go off course? Yes, I can, but God has got all that figured out. You see, there were were two men, and one of them was called Jacob, one of them was called Esau, and you remember the story that Esau was the eldest. Esau was entitled to the double portion of inheritance. He was the eldest son. But God foresaw he would not embrace God's purpose for his life, that he would make different choices, and so God provided for that. And we look at the Bible, you know the story very well, that Esau despised the things that God had for him, and by his choice of despising, he went off course and took himself totally out of his destiny. Jacob, on the other hand, loved what God had for him. Jacob loved the things that God had planned for his life. Jacob embraced what God had. He was as crooked as they come. He was a cheat. He was a crook person. He lied. He did all kinds of stuff. But nevertheless, God could do something with him because his heart was to fulfill his destiny in God. So even if you've got major flaws, major things wrong with you, that doesn't necessarily disqualify you. God can work all of that to get you where he wants you to get. You have a think, and you've got to understand this, that your destiny does not rest in the hand of any human being. It is totally in your hands. Totally in your hands. And it will be the result of the choices you make. Totally now. I'll give you an example of it. Here's a young man called Joseph. Now remember, Joseph was a dreamer. God gave him a dream. God showed him his purpose for him in life. God showed him what he would become, and he began to pursue it. But in the course of pursuing it, his family reacted against him, and they tried to murder him. They sold him off as a slave. Now, did any of these things that people did to him change the plan of God? Not one. And in fact, actually, God used all the things people did to him as the way of shaping and preparing him for what he had. So no one can do anything to you to take you off your course. You take yourself off your course. The things that happen to us which are negative and painful, God uses to help grow us so we can fulfill the course. So the devil throws things to make you off course. If you respond right, then you can can use it as a stepping stone to grow. 
I, I, the thing that's concerned me over the years is how many Christians get stumbled so quick and so easy. Their, their roots are not deep. Roots are not deep in God and, and personal purpose. If I am anchored to God's purpose for my life, then nothing anyone's going to do is going to take me off that course. You understand? Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's my choice. You want to be offended? You chose. Don't go blaming someone else. Your offense is your choice. You could have grown in character and grace, but instead you got offended. Come on, you took yourself off course because you wanted to hold on to something that was no eternal value. You followed the course of the world when you did that because they all love to hold on to offenses. Come on, church, we need to grow up. We need to start to mature inside. We need to realize that the center of our life is God. And as we begin to make Him the focal point and His principles the focal point, everything else starts to work together for our good. The Bible promises. God promises He cannot lie. He'll work everything together for good if we are responding to His call and walk loving Him passionately. That means doing what He wants for our life. You get any idea? Okay, let's follow it a little further. So purpose. The purpose, remember, so destiny, and we see then that the destiny is the course leading to a destination. There's a course the world takes you. They all have a destiny. They all do. Everyone does. We choose what it's going to be. But for every person who's unsaved, the same destination. For every person who's saved, same destination. But at the other end of it, there's a whole heap of difference. We're not all equal in heaven. Definitely not all equal in heaven. Definitely not all equal in eternity. And definitely God has ways to reward those who faithfully serve Him. Don't you be discouraged by someone else's slackness. You be a passionate servant of Christ. That's your call. That's your purpose. And that will lead you to your destiny. Let someone else put you off, that'll be a problem for you. We'll share some of those things that take us off course. Okay then, so our purpose is the reason we exist. See, so uh, God's purpose for us includes two things. Uh, well, it includes several things, but has, it includes primarily that we come into relationship because before you can fulfill purpose, you must have relationship with the one who designed you. So the first thing is we must have relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship with Jesus. The relationship we have is the key to everything else working. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we pray. I don't find that always easy. It's sometimes quite hard. But it's because if I don't, I lose connection to the one person who can get me where I need to go. It's a vital relationship that will change my life. Okay, so then uh, the purpose God has for you is, involves two things. Number one, He wants to change us. Uh, God's purpose involves what you are becoming. Romans 8, verse 28, He is conforming us to the image of His Son. So God is changing us to become more Christ-like. That's why you need to grow. So, oh, God loves me, accepts me like I am. You should all accept me like I am. Well, this is kids' talk, spiritual kids' talk. God loves you and accepts you, but He definitely doesn't want to leave you like, he is, like you are. No parent, listen, listen, no parent wants their children to remain childish. Imagine if you had a child and you raised them up and here they are and at 16, 17, 18 and they're still throwing little kiddies tantrums. That's not a blessing to you at all. You have a purpose for your children and God has a purpose for them. He has a purpose for us. He wants us to grow up so we can qualify for the things He has for us. So the, the first thing is, is God's concerned with what we're becoming. His purpose involves what you're becoming, your character. That's why we keep working on and pushing on character and pushing on issues of character because what the kind of person you are is a part of God's purpose for you. He's wanting, He's not wanting you to stay like you are. You'll just reflect your old ways. He's wanting you to become Christ-like so you reflect what God is like. 
so people can see what God is like. God has come to put skin on Himself so people can see Him, and He wants to work through you so people see Him working in you and feel His presence working in you. And they say, I don't know what it is, but they say, well, there's something different here. They see love. They see kindness. They see truth. They see integrity. They see honesty. They see the qualities of Christ in us. And of course, a lot of reasons people turn off Christ, uh, the church, or turn, they turn off the church, not God, actually. And they turn off the church because Christians who say they represent God don't represent Him well. That's why God wants us to change. So in this course, in this church, of course, you'll find it's the nature and dynamic of the anointing over it that after you've been here a little while, whatever's inside you will flush to the surface. Because God wants us to change and to grow. And then at that point, you've got a choice whether you change, face it and change, or whether you go around the mountain and have another set of problems till you face it and change, or go around the mountain and have another set of problems, face it and change, or you flee somewhere else. But in the end, still the same deal. God follows you wherever you are. He still wants you to change because His purpose is we become Christ-like in our character. Okay, and so the second thing is, of course, is what you do with your life, your assignment, what we do with our life, our assignment or our works. Now, believe me, what you do is important. Your works are important. God does not reward you because you turned up or because of a good intention. He rewards us because of what we did. He wrote, yeah, I mean, you turn up at work, you don't do any work, you're not going to get paid. Boss wants you to produce something. So you get to the union, and the, maybe they can put out a case for you hanging around doing nothing much, but that's definitely not the way God's kingdom works. Basically, he rewards us if we're productive. And he has certain ways of thinking. I mean, he's thinking's different, see? I'll go down there. We'll get down there. We'll get off track. I'll stick with it where we are. Okay, then. So, so God has uh, uh, got something for us to do. Now, only God can reveal what he's called you to do. As we shared with you, I share with you the keys how you can find it, but it's a process of walking with God, and it uncovers. And then, no, you see, it, it comes directly from God to your own heart. You've got to follow what God gave you. So God has a purpose for your marriage, has a purpose for your children, has a purpose for your finances, has a purpose for every aspect of your life. It's your responsibility to discover it and then fulfill it. Every area of life, God has got a purpose, and he's got a way of success in that life, in that area of life. See, what we want is a God on Sunday and forget him the rest of the week. It doesn't work that way. God wants you to have him engaged in every area to discover how things work and then to become a reflector of what he's like. Okay, so how do destiny and purpose connect it? Here's, they're, they're different. Remember, destiny is the course and then eventually a destination. Purpose is what I'm to do on the course. Got the difference? Quite a big difference. Purpose is what I should be doing, why God made me. The destiny is the course leading to some end point, okay? So here's, here's, I'll give it in a nutshell then. Let's read it in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes 3. And uh, you should all know the verses in there by now. We've been in them so often. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And uh, let's read a couple of verses here. Go back down to ones we've been at before. Verse 14. See, verse 11, he put eternity in their hearts. So we have the sense of destiny, wanting to have our life count for something. But notice this, verse 14. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. How about that? In other words, whatever God is doing, it's with eternity in mind. When he saved you, he had eternity in mind. When he's speaking into your life to change you, he has eternal consequences in mind. Whatever God does, it always goes beyond this life and has eternal consequences because he's an eternal God. So whatever we're, we're God's uh, purpose for us, 
it determines our destiny. See? Fulfilling God's purpose will determine your destiny and the reward in that destiny. Fulfilling God's purpose. You say, well, I did lots of good things. Yeah, but what did God ask you to do or want you to do? It's not whether you did lots of things. I know lots of busy people. I'm very busy. Biggest problem I've got is to make sure that the things I'm doing are the ones that God wants me to do and not just keeping me occupied and busy meeting everyone's needs. Okay then. So God's purpose for your life determines your reward and eternity. Now, God will evaluate every person on what we've done in our life as to whether we qualify for reward. Notice what it says here, verse 15. That which has been and that which is, uh, that which is has already been and that which is to be has already been. In other words, there's nothing new happens. Here's this. Now, but God requires an account of our past. So, here's a, notice this. What God is doing in your life has eternal consequences. And two, God looks at what you did and you give account for it. You've got to understand that. We all give account. So, well, God, Jesus, love me, forgive me, I'm going to heaven. Listen, heaven was not his purpose for you. Dominion on the earth was his purpose for you. Dominion in eternity is his purpose for you. So, Getting you saved, not for the point of getting you to heaven, it's to get you back connected back to God so you can get on target for your purpose. But if you just get saved and never actually do anything to fulfill what's your purpose, you've malfunctioned in life. Haven't discovered why you're here yet. Okay then, all right then. So fulfilling our purpose is really important. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 16 in uh, verse 24 to 27. Matthew 16 verse 24 to 27, Jesus is talking about being a disciple. Disciple is a person who has discovered his life's purpose, full-time follower of Jesus Christ. Disciples a person who's made Christ first in his life. Disciples a person who lives to honor Christ and all he does. Disciple can be a banker, a teacher, a politician. Disciple can be a, a mother, a youth. But it can be any person. It's nothing to do with what I'm doing in life. It has everything to do with my connection and embracing God's purpose. And when we decide that we're going to embrace the purpose of God, it costs us something because everyone else has got a plan for our life. So there's a bit of, there's a bit of sacrifice in it, but there's eternal reward. Notice what Jesus said, uh, that when he comes, as the end verse there, it says, when he comes, he will reward everyone according to their works. That word reward is the word a pay for something you've done in life. How about God paying you? Isn't that good? Says he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, the Lord will repay him. So God has purposed that there is a time when we give account of our life and he rewards us, and that reward lasts for eternity. You must understand that. If you don't understand that, you, re you don't realize how what you're doing is connected to eternal consequences. Now, if you, if you were to run your life, listen, my life's short. It'll change a lot of ways you think. If you realize eternity is forever, and what I do now determines what happens in eternity, you can say no to heaps of things because you're saying yes to eternity. And, 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 and notice this. You don't, have to someone watch, you don't have to have someone watching over you telling you what to do and what not to do. You don't live under the law. You're living out of the sense, I have a destiny. God is watching 100% of my time, and He's the one I'm performing to please. It's of Him I receive a reward. In life, Sometimes you're honored, sometimes you're dishonored. In life, sometimes you're rewarded, sometimes you're ripped off. That's life. Get used to it. That's life. Happens to everyone. Sometimes there's a bit more of it happens to you if you're a Christian. But that's not the point. See, eternity is about me responding to what's happening to me in life. And 
that I choose. You choose. You choose right. Okay, let me give you a few Bible examples about uh, fulfilling your purpose in life is connected to your destiny. Fulfilling your purpose is connected to your destiny. In other words, doing what God called you to do in life, following Him, obeying Him, is connected to your destiny, getting to the right place. So if I go off course and don't do what God called me and created me to do, I can't end up in the right place. So let me just throw a few examples out of you. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. Okay, here's a man here. Jesus warning about covetousness in, about, in verse 15. He says, life is more than what you own. For all those who think they're really doing well because they own a lot, life is more than what you own. Much, much more. So he told them a story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, whoa, whoa, am I doing all right? What'll I do? I've got no room to store my crops. Well, I know what I'll do. Pull down the old barns, build greater ones. I'll store all my crops and goods, and I'll say to myself, boy, retirement's looking good for you. Let's take your ease, eat and drink, and have a good time, go on a cruise, do all kinds of things. Now, what you've got to understand here, he was an extremely successful man if you define success in a certain way. See, basically, in business, he appeared to be extremely successful, quite uh, good with his finances, good in investments. He was involved in agriculture, then involved in property, and he came to the point where he was an extremely wealthy man. So we would say he's a success. But God says something different about him. See, so he's got this whole thing, and he's right there at that good age. He's retiring early, about 50. He's got so much money, he doesn't need to do any more work anymore. So he's about ready to just lay it up and have a good life. And he's talking to himself. Man, you got it good. Oh, boy. And then suddenly, God appears to him and says, you're a fool. Why was he a fool? He was a fool. Was he a fool because he made money? Not at all. In business to make money. That's one purpose of business. You see, here's, here's why he was a fool. He was a fool because he trusted in the money instead of understanding its purpose. He never understood his purpose for being in business. Think about that. He never understood why he was in business. Never understood his purpose. And so because he didn't understand his purpose, he actually thought business was about accumulating wealth. And so God evaluates him and says, number one, you're a fool. Here's why you're a fool. He says, you're a fool because you're trusting in this stuff, and now you're going to let it all go. Someone else is going to pick it all up. He says, you're a fool because you fail to lay up for yourself eternal reward by using your business to generate money and to influence people for the kingdom of God. He failed to fulfill his purpose. So God doesn't want you not to be in business. He wants you to be in business. Great to be in business. Nothing wrong with making a heap of money in business. But if you're not anchored to purpose, you'll end up and greed will overtake you and then you'll find there's never enough. How much is enough? Man, it's never enough. When do you draw the line and say, enough's enough? Now, I need to be overflowing in generosity and giving and influencing the world with what God has blessed me with. I've got to get on purpose. I've got to get connected to why I'm here. And one of the difficulties the business community has is it fails to connect its business to the purpose of God. So therefore, you can be a businessman and spend all your life and go totally off track, become a workaholic and a slave to money, and miss your purpose. Was it because you're doing the wrong thing? Not at all. God called you to business, then go for it, 100%. But what happened was he missed his purpose. 
and missing his purpose for him had eternal consequences that were very painful. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, missing your purpose actually takes you off course in a major way. If you know what your purpose is, you go through all kinds of hardship and difficulty, and you'll always end up where God wanted you to be. Isn't that good? So you say, well, you don't understand what's going on around me. People give me a hard time. This happened, this happened. Listen, none of that. And Paul says, none of this stuff moves me. He said, look, he even got good prophecies. How about this for a good prophecy? Oh, you'll be wonderful, great preacher. No, they didn't give him that prophecy at all. They said, you're going to go to the next place. They're going to throw you in jail and beat you up. He says, none of this moves me that I might follow my course. That's a man with vision and passion. That's what we like to be there. Eh? Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 to 5. Here it is. Now, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware... And he's talking about Israel. He said they all got saved. They were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and same spiritual drink. But verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. And they were scattered in the wilderness. So he's, he's saying, listen, there were two million people back there. And God saved them. And God healed them. And God touched them with his Holy Spirit. And he provided for them. They were the church in the wilderness. But God was extremely unhappy with the majority of them. Why is that? They never found their purpose. They were in the wilderness. Never discovered the wilderness was to shape them so they could become the kind of people to receive promises. And so they failed. They just complained about how bad it was and how tough it was and how difficult it was and how hard life was. And they murmured. They complained about Moses, complained about God. They complained. Complainers are off course and can never fulfill their destiny. You've got to get rid of a complaining spirit. You can't. It, it just evidences you're in unbelief. It evidences you do not believe God can use a tough situation to make you a better person. Think about it. What comes out of your mouth in the tough situations tells what's in your heart. And if all you can do is complain and talk to someone and run someone down and go, you are missing the point that God can make all things work together for your good. Is it painful? Yes. But God is able to give you grace to be a winner in life. And as you get that grace, you grow a bit. You become more qualified for the things he has. It's exciting. What a great perspective for life. This is an attitude for life. Boy, this is... It's good stuff, isn't it? See, John 7, 17, verse 3 to 6. This is what Jesus finished his course in his life. This is what he said. Was he a success? You better believe it. He was a great success. He was a huge success. But look what he said. He said, listen, I finished my course. Notice this, what he said about his life. He said, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the holy God, one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Now listen to this. I have glorified you on earth. I finished the work you gave me to do. Now glorify me. Here we see purpose and destiny. Jesus abandoned all of heaven and all the privileges of heaven, came to earth with one thing in mind, fulfill the Father's purpose. What is that purpose? Seek and save the lost. What is that purpose? Destroy the works of the devil. What is that purpose? Lay your life down for humanity. He ran his race. He fulfilled his course. Therefore, there is a destiny. He's King of kings and Lord of lords because of what he did in the earth. He's the king of, you can't get into heaven unless you acknowledge Jesus Christ. How did that come about? Because he qualified himself for it. See, when he came to earth, he laid aside all his power, all his privilege, all his position. He just came into a stable. He came as a little child and he was led by the Holy Ghost, obeyed the Father, walked in the purpose that God had for him, ran his race, finished his life, and henceforth an eternal destiny. 
It's all through the Bible, everywhere you go. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8, Paul says, the end of his life, I've run my race and I've finished my course. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown or authority, dominion, extensive responsibility over God's interests in the year to come. Think about it. Is that how you're going to finish your course? Will you finish your course full of passion and fire and zeal for God? Or will you finish it tired and worn out, lost vision years ago and wandered off course? How will you finish? I can't answer that. Only you can. And every day you're deciding this. When you get up and pray, you're deciding it. When you get up and you get into the Word of God, you're deciding it. When something comes around your life that tempts you to compromise and you don't compromise, you're deciding your future. Every time someone tries to manipulate you and you release and forgive them, stand up to that thing, you're deciding your future. You are deciding every day, every day. We better make some good decisions, eh? Great decisions, eh? What we do in this life determines eternity. Don't clutter your life with unimportant things. Let me finish with one last verse in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Just finish with one verse for today. Next week, I'll share with you the things that take you off course. There's probably a heap of them. I've just got a few I'll focus on. I want you to pick up with me in, uh, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Verse 30. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and they stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed from him, leaving him half dead. Now here's a man who had a purpose and a destination. He knew where he was going, he knew why he was going there. Probably he was going to do business in Jericho. He had a clear purpose, this is what I wanted to do. He had a destiny. But did he get there? No, he didn't. Something happened to him on the way. It says he fell among thieves. Something unexpected happened. See, so when he got up and left that day, he told everyone, this is where I'm going. I've set out on this course. I've got business in mind. I've got profit in mind. And I know where I'm going. I've got a destination I'm going to. But he didn't make it. He didn't make it because he fell among thieves. There were thieves attacked him. It says they attacked him. They took everything he had. They beat him up and wounded him and left him half dead. Now, what we need to understand, see, if the devil can't stop you getting saved, he will try and beat you up and wound you and leave you half dead so you don't accomplish your destiny. If the devil couldn't stop you getting saved, he will try and wound you, strip you of your gifts, your competence, your abilities, your calling, uh, your faith, everything he can take from you, try and take it from you and leave you wounded so you don't have the strength to get up and go forward. And when you look around, you see a large number of believers like that. They're like the man on the road to Jericho who was beaten up and attacked by thieves. The thieves were there to steal his destiny. Next week, I'll identify some of the, the, the destiny thieves, what they are. But here was how they, 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 they literally assaulted him. They wounded him. Now, I, my observation in my own life has been that before I came to Christ, devil, presumably knowing what the destiny call of God was in my life, assaulted me in all kinds of different ways. Even since I've been in ministry, it's happened in many different ways. And you get wounded, and things are taken from your life, and you're left. No one seems to care. But you've got to realize that Jesus is always willing to help us get to our destiny. He's always willing to help us get to our destiny. See? see so this story here, see? The Christ is the good Samaritan. That's the whole point of the story. He knows what to do. Other people are walked by. You know, it's interesting. You start to ask people their purpose. They've got no purpose. They are wounded, stripped, and half dead. Next time you ask someone, what is your purpose in life? Realize then that they are wounded and stripped and half dead, 
They're not living life. How can they be? They're not doing what they're called to do. Think about that. So what they need is they need an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Good Samaritan. And what did he do? He did several things. I'll just draw it to a close now since we're just running out of time. He showed compassion. He felt for them. He didn't beat them up because they were all in trouble. He felt for them. He showed care. He reached into their lives to bring healing to the man at that point. He then, the next thing he did was he paid the price. He paid the cost to actually provide for them. Finally, he connected them. He got the man connected into a body of people who could help him. Now, God is doing the same thing with us. Here's what we want to do. We need to connect with Christ. We need to discover what he's called us to do. We need to connect into what he's doing. 